Thanks for downloading or purchasing this sermon from Christchurch Forward. To find out more, visit forwardchurch.co.uk or join us on Sundays. Romans chapter 8, and I'm going to start reading from verse 13. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we thank you for these magnificent words from Romans chapter 8. And we pray now for ourselves and for each other, wherever we are in our Christian experience at the moment, that you would open our eyes to the beauty of these words and to the love that you have for us as our Father. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, since the lockdown began, my family and I have most days gone on the same daily walk around where we live. And each time our walk takes us past a house that I think must be one of the most secure in Forward. It's surrounded by metal fencing, an electric gate, and every possible angle of approach seems to be covered by a security camera. I don't know what they're protecting in there, but the owner's clearly concerned about security. Now, maybe the owner of that house has gone a little bit overboard. Sorry, by the way, if that's your house. But I think it's actually a picture of how we all want to feel secure and of how we all find insecurity a very hard and uncomfortable thing. We're concerned about the security of our homes, yes, but much more than that. We're concerned about the security of our jobs and how many are worried about that right now. Our health, the big news item this week, has been whether it's safe to reopen schools. Our finances, will the economy or my investments or my business bounce back? Our relationships, will he still love me when? Will she stay with me if? Let me ask, what about your faith, if you have one? Is that just another place of insecurity and fear? Recently, I was speaking with a lady who's looking into the Christian faith, I think considering whether she wants to become a Christian. And she said, I know a number of Christians, but they always seem to be quite down on themselves. They say things like, I'm a Christian, but not a very good one. You know, I don't read my Bible enough or pray enough, and I know that I should. And she asked what I thought was a very perceptive question. She said, is there ever a point in the Christian life where you just feel content and at peace? Or is it just a restless struggle to be good enough and to patch over your inadequacies? The verses we're looking at together this morning from Romans 8 are all about reassuring us of our security as Christians, even when we mess up and fall into sin. Last week, we saw that God, the Holy Spirit, helps us in our battle with sin. This week, 
we're going to see that the Holy Spirit reassures us in that battle that we are the children of a heavenly father who loves us and holds us secure. Martin Luther once said that he thought these verses should in every Bible be written in gold ink because they're so wonderful and so full of comfort. And I can see why he said that. Let's take a look at them together. Uh, Last week, we were looking at verse 13. And there, Paul, who writes these words, ends by saying, if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. And then he shows us where he finds the grounds for such confidence. It's this. If the Holy Spirit is at work in you, it tells you something about yourself. What does it tell us? Well, look at verse 14. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. I'm a child of God. And that gives us great security because being a child of God totally changes the way we relate to him. When I was a teenager, I had a holiday job in a cafe in the village where I lived. And I loved it. Every holiday I was working there. It was a family business. Margot and Terry owned and ran it. They were married. And among the staff were their two daughters, Lauren and Robin. Hi, guys, if you're watching. I don't think they are. Never mind. It was a lovely place to work. And we all got on really well. But in the course of working there, It was very obvious that Lauren and Robin related to and spoke to their parents differently to the rest of us. And no one minded that. We all understood. I mean, of course, they related to them differently. They were their mum and dad as well as their bosses. And being someone's child changes how you relate to them. When someone is a Christian, that's come about because God, the Holy Spirit, has drawn us into a new relationship with God the Father. It's made possible because of the death of Jesus, God the Son, on the cross, when he died, taking the punishment for our sins. But then it's made actual as the Holy Spirit moves us to put our faith in Jesus and draws us into a new relationship with the Father. It's as though the Son carves a way to the Father for us through his death on the cross. And then the Holy Spirit takes us by the hand and leads us along that path to the Father. But what is the nature of that new relationship we've been drawn into? Not one of being slaves, but sons and daughters. Look at the first half of verse 15. The Spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. You see, slaves live in fear because the favour of their master depends on their performance. It's a conditional relationship. A slave will anxiously wonder, have I done enough? Am I good enough? And if we look at God's law and, like slaves, wonder if we've been good enough, The answer will always be no. But the Holy Spirit frees us from that fear and from slavery by drawing us into a different kind of relationship altogether. See how verse 15 continues. Rather, the spirit you received 
brought about your adoption to sonship. To be a Christian is to be an adopted child of God, brought into the family, loved, secure. The beauty of these verses in Romans 8 is seen so much more clearly if you read the end of chapter 7, where Paul desperately laments over the ongoing presence of sin in his life. He's deeply convicted of his sin and his divided heart. And these verses are so encouraging in the midst of our struggle with sin because they show us when we fail and fall into sin, we shouldn't lapse back into being fearful slaves because we're now forgiven sons and daughters. That's why this chapter begins with Paul saying, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And it's why the chapter ends with him arguing, if God gave his son for us, there's nothing he wouldn't give. And nothing can separate us from his love. You see, when God freed us from slavery to the law, it wasn't so that he could enslave us all over again. Galatians 5 verse 1, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. He has taken us from death to life, from bondage to freedom, from fear to security, from being slaves to being sons and daughters. Even when we confess our sins, we don't stand before God as trembling slaves, unsure of his response, but as forgiven sons and daughters, secure in his love. Tim Chester, in his book, Enjoying God, which, by the way, I thoroughly recommend. I'm reading it at the moment, and it's brilliant so far. He has a line on this. He writes, if you don't know you're a child, you'll think like a slave. If you don't know you're a child, you'll think like a slave. What a tragedy it is when we fail to enjoy this new relationship with God as our father. But I think it's very common among Christians. I think it was what that lady I mentioned earlier was picking up on. And reflecting on my own Christian life, I think I've spent long seasons relating to God more like a slave than a son. But do you see the great privilege of this new relationship is there at the end of verse 15. And by him, that is by the Holy Spirit, we cry, Abba, Father. Abba is an intimate term. It's like calling someone dad. The only other person in the Bible to address God this way is Jesus. And the point is that the Christian can speak to God with the same sort of intimacy that Jesus did because we've been drawn into the family, adopted as children. It's a mind-blowing thought that you and I, if you're a Christian, can now walk confidently into the throne room of heaven and call God Abba, Father, an astonishing privilege. But if you're really struggling in the battle with sin at the moment, if during this time of lockdown you've been losing the fight, you'll probably be feeling a long way from the Father right now. And the question that may be niggling away at you is, how do I know this is talking about me? That I am one who, in the words of verse 14, is led by the Spirit. That I really am a child of God, because the presence of sin in my life can make me doubt it. And God can't provide me with the results of a DNA test. 
or a certificate of ad adoption. So how can I be sure? Well, the final thing we see about the Holy Spirit in these verses is that as well as bringing about our adoption, he assures us of it. Take a look at verse 16. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Recently, my wife, Rebecca, and I watched the latest Star Wars film. Uh, to cope with the lockdown, we uh, subscribed to Disney+. Plus. I know a number of you have done the same. And so we, we watched that, and it, it got me thinking about that most famous Star Wars scene where Darth Vader says to Luke Skywalker, you all know the line, I am your father. And Luke doesn't want to believe it's true. He says, no, no, it can't be true. And the evidence Darth Vader gives him is this. He says, search your feelings. You know it to be true. Now, um, here's a pretty big theological statement, okay? If you're taking notes, you might want to write this down. God is not like Darth Vader. I know, don't all tweet it at once, will you? <laughs> but this is so important because when we're struggling with sin and the guilt it brings, if God told me to search my feelings, that'd do me no good at all. Because it's at exactly those moments I don't feel like a child of God. So how does the Holy Spirit testify with my spirit that I am a child of God? Well, look for signs, however small, that he's at work in your life. Do you have some level of grief over your sin? Like Paul at the end of chapter seven, where he says, what a wretched man I am. That experience might not always be there. It will go up and down. But is it or has it been there to some degree? Do you have some desire to change and live God's way? Again, Paul writes at the end of chapter seven, although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. Do you find yourself wanting to cry out to God as father, asking for mercy? When you consider the cross where Jesus, God the son, bled and died for you, for love, do you find yourself drawn to him? and his gracious offer of forgiveness. Maybe you've experienced that before, but it seems distant now. Or maybe you've not experienced that before, but now, today, you begin to find that you do. If there's even a trace of any of those things in you, that's not normal. That doesn't just happen. They're signs of the Holy Spirit's work in you. And however great your struggle with sin, that should give you great reassurance because once he moves in, he never moves out. And those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. And if you're a child, you're secure. He will never let you go. But there's another reason to not rely on your feelings. You see, it's possible to feel secure as a Christian and loved by God, but for the wrong reason. Maybe you're doing pretty well right now. There are no big, hairy, scary sins in your life. You're reading the Bible and praying. But if that's why you feel secure, you're still thinking like a slave. It's just you think you're quite a good one. If I think God loves me because I'm doing pretty well, well, I might feel fine now, but it'll come back to bite me when I do fall into sin or when my lurking sin is forced to the surface. I'll be left wondering where that leaves me with God. I'll feel 
insecure again, as a slave can only be. Brother, sister, know you're a child of God and that's why you're secure, quite apart from the quality of your life. Either way, our feelings are not a reliable guide. I have three sons. Whether or not they feel close to me, whether or not they feel like my sons, they are my sons. Our feelings are not a reliable guide. So if you're struggling with sin and discouraged by that at the moment, don't look to your feelings for reassurance. And yet, and yet, any loving father wants his children to feel like they're his children as well. The father-child relationship isn't merely a legal or biological one, it's a relational one too. It's not just known, it's experienced. That's why someone can look at a biological father who neglected them as a child and say, you were never my father. And it's why someone can look at their adoptive father and say, you're my real father. Because it's not a merely legal relationship, it's a relational one. God, like any loving father, doesn't want us to merely know we're his children in an academic way. He wants us to experience it relationally. And one way we can begin to experience that more deeply is given us here in these verses. By him, we cry, Abba, Father. Is it possible that sometimes we don't feel that God is our father because we don't relate to him? as though he were our father. On a few occasions, my eldest son has called me Chris and I can't stand it. I think maybe that's why he does it actually. But, but I don't want him to call me Chris because anyone can call me Chris. I want him to call me daddy or dad because that's a name only he and his brothers can use. And it reflects the sort of unique intimacy and love that I want to characterize our relationship. God invites us to call him Father. What an honour. It's fine, of course, to use other names when we pray to God, but don't neglect the privilege of using his family name, the name only we can use as his children, and dwell on that name as you use it, Father. But approaching him as our Father is not just about using a particular name. It's, it comes about as by what we say to him as well. When you pray to your father, don't come merely with a long list of requests. That would be like a child coming to a parent for the first time on the phone and calling them up. And the first thing out of their mouth is, can I borrow some money? Well, yeah, but can we catch up first? How are you? What's been happening? How are you feeling right now? Tell me what you're worried about. What are your hopes and your fears? That's what we should speak to our father about. If you want to experience him as your father, approach him as such. Speak to him as such. Of course, it's fine to ask him for things. In fact, he wants us to. But the greatest treasure of Christian prayer isn't getting stuff from the father. It's getting the father and as we grow in the security of his love, we'll be able to respond to the battle with sin, with sadness, yes, but not with fear. 
with a desire for change, but not with despair. Because the Holy Spirit, who helps us in the battle, will also lead us home to the Father in the knowledge of his mercy and grace. So if you're a struggling Christian, tempted to hide, feeling the shame of your sin, wondering whether when the lockdown is over, you'll even come back to church at all. You're a child, not a slave. Don't hide. Come to your father. Don't fear. Know you're loved and secure. It never depended on how you lived in the first place. It doesn't now. If you're a steady Christian, feeling like you're doing well right now, secure in that, well, remember your security lies not in being a good slave, but in being a loved child. And if you're joining us and you wouldn't call yourself a Christian yet, maybe you've always sort of believed in God and thought you can earn your way in by living well, Jesus offers you something far better. Adoption as a child of God, a father who loves you, free forgiveness for all your sins, life with him forever, security as you pass through a world that offers none. Who else would you follow? Turn to him today and all that's yours. You see, faith in Jesus is not fear, it's freedom, it's joy, it's peace, it's security forever. Christian, you and I are not slaves, we're sons and daughters. And as we were thinking last week, in the battle with sin, there will be ups and downs, victories and losses, but our status will never change. Whatever we've done, our father is still our father. Our future is still our future. Our saviour is still our saviour. Christian, you are secure in the hands of a father who loves you and who will never set you aside or turn you away. Let's pray. Abba, Father, we thank you for the work of your Holy Spirit in our lives drawing us into a relationship with you and reassuring us that we are your children. What an honour and a joy to call you our Father. And so we pray for any among us today feeling wrapped up in sin, perhaps feeling like they're losing the fight and losing the will to fight it. Please draw near to these brothers and sisters today. Remind them of the love of Jesus displayed on the cross, your offer of complete forgiveness, and the gracious invitation to call you Father. Change our minds so that we think of ourselves not as slaves, but as sons and daughters. And give us today joy, peace and security in knowing that we are your children. And so may we in every season of life, in every high and low, in the wake of every victory and every loss, continue to trust in you and bring you the glory of which you are so worthy. In Jesus' name, amen.